In this episode of the Modesto Mahiga 360 Leadership Podcast, we're joined by Charles Washoma to speak on the topic of building a culture of accountability. Charles Washoma is a C-suite executive and consultant with over 20 years of business experience, and he successfully served as chairman, independent, non-executive director, chief executive officer, managing director, country manager, general manager, and principal officer across insurance, reinsurance, insure tech, risk management, and consulting services, providing leadership and oversight for businesses with profit and loss and balance sheet sizes ranging from $10 million to $50 million. Charles is valued for developing strategy, setting vision, business planning, inspiring people to achieve revenue and profitability targets, ensuring proper governance, controls, and efficient systems, impacting organizational culture and performance, and forming lasting stakeholder partnerships. Charles holds certifications in Chartered Director of South Africa from the Institute of Director of South Africa, Chartered Property Casualty Underwriter from the Institute of the Same in the U.S., Certified Risk Management Professional from the Risk Management Society in the U.S., Associate in Insurance Accounting and Finance from the Institute in the U.S., and a Certified Ethics Officer from the Ethics Institute in South Africa. Charles is also an Archbishop Tudor Leadership Fellow with the African Leadership Institute and the University of Oxford, and a fellow of the Crans Montana Forum of New Leaders for Tomorrow. Charles, thank you greatly for joining us on today's episode of the Modesta Mahiga 360 Leadership Podcast. Charles, it's been an honor to know you and to have had the privilege to collaborate with you in the past, but please share your journey to championing governance and accountability with our 360 Leadership Community. Thank you so much, Modesta. It's been an honor and a privilege to know you, collaborate and interact with you over the years. And it's such a pleasure to be on the show. So over my career, I've really seen how important uh, governance, accountability, leadership and clarity is for the organization across all levels, organizational, departmental and individual level. And it's really um driven me to, to be clear in my own uh, purpose, and I, and I view my mission as one to communicate messages of hope, to lead and inspire with others in building progressive, integrated, and productive uh, communities, and he inspired me to, to be clear on my, on my values, to be clear on the sort of uh, culture that aligns with, uh, with the mission and the vision that I have for my own life and for the businesses that I align myself with. And I've also uh, grown through experience and, of course, even professionally pursuing a chartered director uh, qualification as well as various qualifications in um, ethics and compliance as well. So that's part of the journey and um, also having experiences beyond my own sort of local uh, cultural background and experience, uh, traveling the world, getting to experience other cultures, learning from people in different contexts has, has been a real privilege for me. Um, I, I heard you starting with purpose. I heard you starting with, um, you know, your values and your vision. And and that's a very interesting response to a question on, on your journey to really uh, championing and upholding uh, governance and accountability. What is the bridge there between a person's own uh, purpose and their and, and their um, values and vision, and and 
how how is that um, important uh, to the work of championing governance and accountability? And in our context, we're talking organizational. Yeah, so so I, I think it's really important, uh, the question you've asked, because oftentimes people focus on sort of the what they view to be the measurable, uh, practical things of, of getting the job done, making a certain level of sales, a uh, certain measure on the sales that you have, on the revenue that you make, how many clients uh, you, you, you sign up, and they tend to ignore what they consider to be uh, the softer issues, you know, they, they consider it to be sort of uh, pie in the sky. It's not really uh, something tangible that they can uh, touch and feel. It's 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 uh, and as a consequence, they don't consider it to be uh, so important. But the important thing with values is really uh, values inform uh, our behavioral conduct. You know what we consider um, to be acceptable uh, in how we conduct ourselves. It also informs our expectation of the people that we, we, we interact with. And of course, that in turn uh, affects the, the culture of our group, our society, community, organization. And that, as a consequence, directly affects the relationships we have with colleagues, with customers, and other key stakeholders, uh, whether they're shareholders or uh, regulators, etc. So I, I think it's, it's really um, important, especially for long-term achievements, if we're looking beyond short-term uh, gains, it's important to be clear on that. And of course, the people that you align yourself with, that you gravitate towards, that you form uh, a lifelong and lasting bonds with, um, whether friends, uh, business partners, uh, stakeholders, it's really important as a foundation. This is so key. Um, Charles, you know, when you said, because we tend to focus on, okay, so what's the strategy? You know, what are the systems? What What is everything else that is associated with with um, performance and, and, and results other than people who are the single uh, most important um, determinant of, of success? And you said not just short-term, right, results, mm-hmm. but long-term success. There is this phrase that's coined that culture will eat strategy for lunch. And I feel like you just you just answered that that if we do not start with the people, right, the values and the culture, um, then everything else you're looking to build in an organization can be brought down. For those who may not have heard this this um, this saying before, what does that mean? Culture eats strategy for lunch. Well, yeah, that's a really good quote from uh, Peter Drucker, a professor in marketing, business development, really great uh, guru there. So, of course, strategy, we're looking at, you know, what is our general plan to achieve uh, one or more long-term objectives, uh, goals that we have to achieve in, you know, uncertain, changing uh, operating environment. And culture, as we said, is is heavily dependent on the values that inform our day-to-day behavior, the norms you know, what is expected for one to fit into an environment um, and what do we expect of other stakeholders. So the, the important thing of this statement is really it underlines or underpins the point that no matter how great your strategy is, it ultimately mm-hmm. depends on the people that it, 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 um, implement and execute the strategy and the culture and environment they've created in which to work. So no matter how great it is, either 
if you have a poor poor culture in the environment, either you will achieve very little on a, on a great strategy, or the culture that you have will erode the gains that you've managed to make with that strategy. Mm. So culture Ooh, and values are a priority. Uh, must come first. We must have that in place before we have, you know, the great strategies, etc. What does that look like? Uh, because for small and large, you know, small businesses and large corporates alike, you know, when when you're going through business development courses, right, your trainings and and the certifications, you're taught everything but, right? And maybe you might have governance tucked in as a module, um, but what does it look like if you say, above all else, build a value-based culture? In practice, what can a business leader do to prioritize um, value-based culture? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. Um, of course, you know, uh, uh, managers, executives, employees—they all have these dashboards and metrics that they have to meet. Mm. You know, like you said, how many sales uh, are you making in each month? How much revenue are you generating? And somehow they can directly relate to that. And yet, um, with with culture the, the, and values, it becomes a little bit uh, difficult. So what I try to t say to people is, if you imagine yourself or your colleagues, your friends, your your family, you you I can clearly identify the character of an individual person, that they're honest, you know, they're very creative, they're dynamic, they're trustworthy, etc. So as an organization, we as a collective also form a personality, a character that people can quickly identify that is problematic, mm. that is not reliable, dependable, or one that mm. is dependable, trustworthy, and that they want to build a long-term relationship with. So mm. we have to imagine the organization is a, an artificial or corporate individual. So that individual has a character based on how we behave collectively. So we have to be mindful of that, and we, we need to be able to make observations. Of course, a lot of them can be anecdotal. We don't have hard data maybe most of the times, but we can clearly say that, look, usually people are not being honest or people are being, there's a lot of inertia, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of uh, bullying or whatever's going on in the environment. So um, fortunately nowadays, there are a lot of, um, a lot of models that uh, can be used, for example, to survey the workplace, to be able to get sort of a hard uh, numbers, charts, that we can refer to to see wh what type of culture is dominant, whether we've got a negative culture, a constructive culture, a positive culture in the organization, and to look at various levers that we can we can tap on, that we can uh, press into to affect the culture in a, in a positive way uh, to get the sort of change that we need to see uh, in the environment. And maybe I can give some, some examples um, of situations, what we... We, we tend to, 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 to find some of these influences. So at an individual level, we might see that uh, whether or not a person has clarity around their role, whether they're motivated and satisfied in the work that they're doing, and whether they see themselves working in the long term and staying in that organization, is it a place where they have a sense of, of belonging? Um, or is it a, a situation where they're stressed out there's job insecurity. They're not sure whether 
you know, the jo- they're, they're going to be there for long. Um, some of these factors will definitely influence um, the sort of culture that then uh, develops in, the, in this organization. Uh, you know, is it a passive one? Are people avoiding responsibility? Are people um, looking to be very conventional and not uh, put their head above the parapet, as it were, because they just they don't want to rock the boat, as it is, you know, so to speak. Um, I heard you, and, and I'm really, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm imagining, um, you know, a business leader listening and saying, okay, fine, uh, I heard you talking about, you know, the metrics and everything to, to, to measure culture so that you can really um, see what kind of culture a, a, a business exists in and how they can change it. But show me the money. How is investing in culture and, and, and especially, um, you know, in, in this identity that we want to put out, how does that translate to the things that we are being measured and rewarded for? Yeah, that's, that's a, a really important point. Uh, people want to know, you know, what's in it for me? How is it going to impact the business? Mm. So it's really interesting that a lot of research, for example, uh, with a lot of um, uh, listed companies on various stock exchanges uh, surveys has been done because you know you can easily access their financials see how they're performing yeah. and then try to measure that against their their sort of performance on the the, the culture index you know whether they have a positive uh, culture constructive culture or whether we see sort of uh, maybe passive or aggressive cultures negative culture uh, coming through. Mm. And it's been observed um, in, in various studies, for example, that the performance of businesses financially in terms of profitability that have uh, positive scores on, on, on their culture in terms of the uh, satisfaction of employees, the perception uh, and experience of, of, of customers mm. has been um, has far outperformed those that have performed negatively on um on their culture and value scores. It's also been observed that the reputation, the performance and the trust in the brand, um, the sustainability of that brand, the the loyalty, the affiliation that uh, stakeholders have with those brands has also uh, performed better. Um, So we've got profitability, we've got brand recognition and trust. And then we've also got, for example, um, staff retention, because Mm. you find that can self-actualize in these environments that they have a sense of being encouraged a sense of uh, affiliation and belonging in that environment so um, your staff retention tends to go up and of course um, the personal growth of the employees uh, because they they're not stressed they're not feeling negative about the business and the the place of, of work they tend to achieve better results um, which help them to grow and their personal growth translates to growth um, for the business and vice versa. So I'm convinced, obviously, because we share we share um, values and this is this is to us uh, a non-negotiable one. Um, I'm imagining a dysfunctional organization and a dysfunctional culture. Matter of fact, I could even say not just organizational culture, dysfunctional market culture. Um, and right. we've got leaders thinking this makes a lot of sense uh, so that instead of putting out fires when things aren't working, we start building our businesses, we build our organizations 
on values, um, building the kind of culture that will not just deliver short-term but long-term results. Um, but what is the cost if we don't? We're still doing business, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think what people uh, might not recognize is that there's an actual cost to to uh, a failure to act in, in, in this area. Mm. And some typical things that we, we, we can observe is um, uh, the development of certain cultural features that we, we don't want to, to ideally observe in a workplace. So some, some workplaces are um, competitive in a, in a negative way where people look at... Um, competition in in the workplace for, from a win-lose perspective. Sometimes the people are very oppositional. So people are trying to generate ideas, be creative, be innovative, and people simply oppose maybe just to uh, put others down so they, they um, uh, don't feel less threatened by them, that they, you know, they don't uh, progress uh, ahead of them in the workplace. Um, they want to, they feel insecure in their job. Some uh, play power dynamics, protecting mm. their space, uh, looking at self-interest. Um, sometimes there's a perfectionist um, uh, sort of uh, influence to an extent where people are scared to make mistakes. Mm. Um, it's good to do uh, you know, an excellent job, but we can't do it to a point where we're not willing to, to take risks because obviously there's a reward that comes with that. So the cost obviously then comes in people not taking responsibility uh, not being accountable. So to avoid responsibility, they, they they avoid certain tasks and leave it for other people to do. This is, of course, made worse if there's a lack of clarity around their role uh, in the organization or this conflict between what they should do and what others uh, should do. Also, if people stick to convention, so people don't want to stick, don't want to rock the boat. So mm. they'll always stick to the conventional way of doing things because it's not going to ruffle any feather, feathers. Mm. So as a consequence, there's a lack of innovation. There's a lack of, of dynamism. Also, even um, this issue of not taking responsibility, if, if you've got that culture where people are not being responsible and accountable, people will not be willing to take decisions. They'll avoid that. And as a consequence, always look for approval. So, you know, I come to Modesta, maybe she's my director or manager, and um, I'm always getting an approval. So if it goes wrong, I say, oh, but you said, oh, mm. you know, rather than saying, look, I thought this would be best for the customer and for our business. And, um, you know, I took the decision. Unfortunately, it wasn't the best and I'm take, willing to take the responsibility. So, of course, when you're willing to take responsibility, you're also willing, you, you also put yourself in a position where you can, uh, reap the rewards, the credit, and the benefits that come with uh, you know the actions that you take. So of course, you know th- there's a cost in that. Uh, we lose the potential value that people can bring when they're fully um, allowed to bring the talents for which we recruited them. You know, we recruit people because they've yeah. got great uh, skills, education, experience, and then and yet we then stifle that so so we lose that benefit and then of course we also have a cost where the negative behaviors also bring about uh, certain negative costs for example losing customers uh, incurring liabilities because of costs and losses that customers might incur because of our inefficiencies and um, and lack of uh, effectiveness in in servicing them and providing the right sort of value that's so good um, I'm currently taking, so I'm doing my MBA. Ah, 
<laughs> and I'm taking managerial economics, and we're talking about man, uh, we're talking about economic costs, which are different from accounting costs, right? The opportunity costs. Right. Sometimes people may just look at whatever the output is, and 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 and, and maybe I don't know what their benchmarks could be. Output looks, you know, average, comparable, competitive. Yet there's an opportunity cost, right? That you could optimize um, your your output really by investing um, in, in 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 stronger, positive, ethical cultures um, and and uh, accountability and and stronger governance and controls. And I, and I think sometimes if you know if you have the mind of where, where else are we leaving money on the table? Where else are we leaving well-being on the table? Where else are we leaving um, impact on the table? You know, uh, not just to exist and, and get by, but going through with a fine-tooth comb and saying, how can we be better? Um, y- it would unearth a lot of the things that you're saying, that it's not okay to just exist. It's not okay to just be. Uh, the cost is far greater than, than people may realize because they may just be looking at the accounting cost. And there could be an economic cost. There could be an opportunity cost of um, really uh, unleashing people's potential of um, of well being in the workplace and and being an industry leader and 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 um, you know impacting. Um, so when when you responded, yes. it made me think of that. Sometimes we 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 think, well, not losing. I'm doing all right, but you're not measuring everything that could be measured. You could be more than than who you currently are. It's true. I, I think people really need to appreciate that it's it's equally important for us to to assess, understand, ma- and manage uh, the the culture and the values in the organizations. You, you you rightly said so that we can also measure that the same way that we you know we look at our management accounts, we look mm. at the various financial. Mm. Uh, accounts, you know, the income statement, balance sheet, and so on. So, you know, the, the, we need to have a view that that looks at that and, and sees how it it affects the culture. So, understanding what our current operating culture is and whether or not it's an asset or a liability for the business. Um, and if if it turns out to be a negative, you know, if it's a liability, then of course we we want to clarify what sort of culture we want to see and the values uh, we want to see to, to sort of maximize our, our performance and effectiveness um, in, in, in the business. Absolutely. Um, Charles, I'd, I'd like to ask you, you know, from your experience, but before I do that, now that we're, you know, we're, we're talking about um, industry standards and, uh, you know, I, I, I read out your profile and I read out your certifications and your particular interest in these areas, you know, at the beginning. Um, do you think when um, or let, 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 let me let me see how I can phrase this. Until um, really prioritizing culture is becomes an industry standard and um, becomes an increasing um, measure of, of 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 performance and 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 maybe um, uh, responsible uh, business. Do you think it's it's really going to remain? You know, at the discretion of individual organizations and 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 you know, market to market. I, I want to give examples of you know, with now, uh, 
sound governance, or if we talk about ESG and if we talk about integrated reporting, the more they have been now made a, a prerequisite, a standard, you know, for for um, responsible business, the more organizations are now sending people to train, the more they're 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 strengthening their systems and controls uh, to comply. Uh, do you think that that's what it will it will take? Um, that there be a global move, and and I know it, it, it's happening, but there's still context, there's still markets where um, where executives feel like it's it's a nice to have, but it's it's not it's not a priority. Uh, do you think it it will take a, a global standardization, or do you see it coming from the bottom up, meaning that a critical mass of of of, of more conscious organizations and executives are coming up? that then say, look, this is the only way uh, to do business moving forward. Yeah, no, um, really, really great point, great question. Um, we, we, we see that uh, a lot of uh, individual countries and regions have uh, best practice. Uh, for example, uh, we, in South Africa, we have, there's the King Code, mm-hmm. uh, which is really great and it's used uh, internationally we also see different standards across East Africa, uh, in in Europe, in the UK as well. But it's only recently, I think a year and a half ago, September 2021, where the ISO, which has so many standards on risk management, mm. compliance and various uh, operations uh, standards, etc., has only just issued a corporate governance guideline um, which has uh, the, the agreement and alignment of a number of different sort of institutes from around the world. Um, so it's been only in 2021 did we have a truly global uh, standard uh, that was issued, which is ISO 37,000. And something that's really interesting, a consistent feature, if we look at King Code and the ISO uh, Corporate Governance Code, mm. one of the expectations is that there's a need to build an ethical culture mm. that, um, and in fact, the first thing that they motivate is that there should be clarity on the mission and philosophy of the organization mm. and that the strategy of the business should be underpinned by a set of values which are aligned to the stakeholders that they serve and the society in which they operate. Mm-hmm. So that puts an onus on the board as well as management, to ensure that they are consistently, even if they modify their, their sort of uh, business plans, tactics, products, services, vision, and so on, that it continues to be consistent and aligned. And then it also um, uh, forces a position where there needs to be stakeholder engagement, because often enough, uh, people will think, as long as we provide you know, excellent genes or uh, motor vehicles to a particular group of individuals. That's what we're going to focus on. But um, you have a wider group of stakeholders, your your employees, the community that live in and around where your factories and offices are and that are affected by the, the employment policies, the, you know, the uh, uh, pollution policies, whatever values and that you have in your business impact a wider uh, group. You know, if you have negative sort of uh, culture where people have to stay until midnight and uh, parents are not getting to home to their kids on time, you know, just things like that. So um, there's also an, a, a strong shift around influencing investment policy. So 
where banks will look at uh, how businesses are performing on uh, their corporate governance, on their values, their mission, and whether there are any indicators that there's a, a lack of consistency. So even du- due diligence exercises for mergers and acquisitions, for people to get loans uh, from banks and, and, and credit, etc., is now increasingly taking into account what you've just put a spotlight on. So, so it will definitely come from uh, an increased expectation of best practice. Of course, the downside with best practice is that it's more voluntary at this stage. Mm-hmm. But I know there are legislations um, and courts in different environments which not only take into account the laws, but they'll look at the, the standards that are espoused, even if they're aspirational in different environments when making even uh, legal decisions that what would have been the reasonable actions to take considering the best practice that's uh, you know um, uh, promoted by your 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 industry even on on things like values and ethics that is so good um you know for 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 early adopters who who and not really early adopters, right? For for people who who want to live purpose driven and value based lives and and leadership, um, this you know, this comes as as great news, uh, especially if they, they've been the minority um, in their context. Uh, but for those that may may not be fully convinced yet, and maybe are of the school of thought, well, look, as long as I bring in uh, the numbers, uh, what does it matter? Um, very soon, yeah. uh, not just that they will be compelled to, but then they, they will then see the difference, right? Um, so even, even if it's, 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 it's not mandatory, and, 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 um, but there is still that, it, this is industry best practice, and there is still that, that pressure, you know, everyone else is doing it. If you're also an industry leader, um, why are you not? Yes, and you, you made a really great point. You, you made a really great point as well, uh-huh. where you said, um, you spoke about the bottom-up, sort of pressure. Yes. So, of course, we, I just wanted to add that we also have uh, increasingly uh, more aware uh, consumers. Mm. So consumers are more aware of their expectations. Consumers are actually willing to boycott products. Mm. You know, if they hear that an organization has uh, abuse of employees mm. or was caught polluting an environment, they can really um, just walk away from that brand from from a values perspective, that I love the product, yeah. but I'm willing not to take it if if my money to that company is contributing to these yes. sort of poor behaviors. So, so yeah, I think there'll also be uh, pressure from that, from various angles, regulatory, uh, consumer, stakeholder as well. Yeah, we're definitely going to see a shift, uh, Charles. As as you know, as as we're concluding, I have this question. I'm now imagining someone's, you know, you've got a 360 leader listening and they're thinking, well, and, you know, I'd like to turn our organization around, whether, uh, you know, they're part of a, of a small business or a large corporate and they have a executive say. Um, from your experience, have you uh, come into a, a business environment where the culture was Oh, forgive me for lack of a better word, dysfunctional, <laughs> and um, right. and 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 you work towards um, helping uh, the teams and the organization turn it around. What would you say are maybe three to five uh, key uh, elements to uh, a 
a turnaround from a dysfunctional culture to uh, an organization that is run on 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 good governance and accountability. Yeah. So so I've 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 observed uh, so many different uh, environments and you know uh, cultures uh, in in the way people operate and. Um, you know, all of them have had, have needed an intervention in one way or another, mm-hmm. an inter- intervention to 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 take advantage of the opportunity of promoting the good values that are there, mm-hmm. or uh, as you say, the, the the need to correct a dysfunctional sort of culture and mode of operation uh, that's existing in 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 an invi- in a certain operating environment in the organization. And um, I'll just give one one example. Um, there, there was an organization. Uh, I, I was appointed to run, and um, I just found that uh, from small things to big things, the, the the culture just wasn't fitting. We just had so many employees, each one coming from different organizations, uh, different personal backgrounds, uh, characters, and attitudes, and it all it it was kind of a feel, you know, like um, free for all, where mm. uh, people just, you know, exhibited whatever behavior. So even small things, I'll give you an example where, you know, if I was sitting in my office, I could hear, you know, someone's uh, music from their laptop, you know, their, their laptop or their phone playing from, you know, several offices down, wow. down the hallway. Um, and they think that's okay. And then of course, someone else is, is playing, you know, their own music. Um there, there would be situations where maybe the receptionist has has uh, gone to take a comfort break or gone to get a cup of coffee and a customer walks in and you've got three, four employees standing talking about their social lives when the customer is sitting, standing there without being attended oh, to. Wow. And of course, the attitude mm. w- would, was one where it's, no, it's the receptionist's job mm. to welcome them, to ask them what they want. It's not my job, mm. you know. So, so, so there were there were just small things like that that actually you could see spoke to to wider issues. So, for example, um, the question of ownership. You know, we're not, we're not owning our collective outcome, mm. and we're not willing to to take initiative. Um, and and we we're, we're sort of we want um, even situations where, for example, people exacted their expectations expectations for good salaries for good increases. For, for getting what they felt, you know, was their right, if I could put it that way. Mm. Um, and yet they were not as willing to, to embrace their responsibilities. So in short, um, it, you know, there, there were several factors that uh, kind of indicated to me, even um, sales. So, for example, people were so hard pressed about targets that they were mis-selling to consumers, you know, telling them untrue information about a product in order just to meet their targets of sales. Mm. So we had to intervene around that. So so one intervention was uh, being clear, absolutely clear on what our values and philosophy was as a business. Mm. What, what, are, what is our mission out there in the society? And what is, what is um, uh, how, how do we aim to achieve that mission? What are the values that are informing our behaviors in, in achieving it? And even um, understanding that, um, uh, understanding the culture, so so as we mentioned earlier, assessing, understanding, and managing the culture. So uh, doing a survey about what people truly value as the important values, what they expect of, for example, of their leadership. Mm. So of course, people have high expectations of leadership, 
but they have very low expectations of what they themselves should contribute yes. if they're not part of leadership. Mm. So we then clarified that actually everyone is a leader. Mm. Uh, we might have different contexts, but we're all uh, leaders in the organization. We should have, um, we should embrace all those expectations that we have of leadership. We should exhibit them ourselves. So the organization I was referring to, so we, we I thought it was best to implement um uh, you know, Utu, like Ubuntu, yeah. um, a, a value system that was collective mm-hmm. and that people could readily identify with from a societal point of view. Because often people in their social settings, like if they're at home in their neighborhood they or with their family, they exhibit wonderful values, caring, compassionate, helpful. But when they come to the workplace, they kind of take that hat off mm. and they start behaving differently because they're shareholders, they want to make demands on they know the company has X amount size of balance sheet. And, um, you know, it was about the people understanding their role, that it's an ecosystem. Mm. And, um, you know, as much as we want to take out, we also need to, to put in and have collective ownership. So building a meeting of minds, a consensus um, among the workplace, uh, um, you know, clarifying our mission, vision, values, and, and sort of uh, uh, building sort of passion around that, uh, for us to be to to work as one unit um, and to understand that uh, you know the, the the fate of all of us is it's a collective position. It's not we can't succeed individually uh, as a department member while the department itself fails. Yeah, um, the two need to 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 be balanced. So so essentially for helping people also see how there should be an integration, a collaboration as well between themselves as individuals between departments and of course across the 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 organization as well so good oh this is this is this is great charles thank you Mm -hmm. thank you so very much um for having made the time for this now if we have someone listening thinking i really would like to uh hear more from you uh you know can i reach out to you to help me um, really start the, the, the transformation process in our organization, what can I um, tell them they can reach out to you for and, and where can they find you? Yeah, so, so the, 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 um, a number of areas where um, I, I've been valued by, by customers in the market for, for, for helping out. So helping to develop and clarify uh, strategy helping to review corporate uh, structures and governance uh, structures, helping to conduct uh, ethics uh, opportunity and risk assessments for the organization, Mm -hmm. uh, helping to formulate stakeholder engagement strategies and, um, and um, yeah, just helping them to assess how they're performing on strategy and um, to, to put a, a draft away forward for them. So I think these are some of the areas where I find customers, uh, clients um, uh, look to me uh, for help uh, across different sectors, banking, uh, mining, hospitality, uh, nonprofit and development as well, public sector. Okay. Where do they find you? I'm I'm going to share your LinkedIn uh, profile with them. Um, can, Can they reach out to you on LinkedIn? Yes, uh, no, great. You, 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 one step ahead of me. So I was actually going to say that um, uh, LinkedIn, I find, is a really great way to connect, mm. and um, and then from there uh, build on conversations and take them 
you know, a step further, uh, exchange contacts and start to pursue, you know, the various uh, issues of uh, mutual interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for um, really bringing the, the, the elevating the conversation, elevating what is really at stake uh, when we're talking about governance and accountability. It wasn't just a standard that came up and it was a buzzword that's being used around the world. And then now we, we all have to catch it and, and pretend to, to care. Uh, you've really spoken to why each person should care. I love how you said, wait, you're a leader too, <laughs> right? Each person right. should care um, and, and what it means really to not just the performance results, but sustainability and, and, and responsibility and community, Ubuntu, you know, ecosystem um, uh, thinking in, in the way we do things. And, and I, I, I loved how you said this is not just for the corporates, the big organizations that can afford to do this. This is for everyone, you know, from the individual, right. a small business. Um, this should be a concern to everyone. So thank you for having made the time to join me. I pray you'll be open to connecting again in future. Um, when I went through your profile, Charles, I was just thinking, oh, I'd like to speak to him about that one. And, you know, I had at least three other topics <laughs> that came to mind. Uh, so thank you and and hope to, to connect again in future. That would be great. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. And my heartfelt gratitude to you, our 360 leader, for carving out the time to listen, subscribe, share, and leave reviews. As always, should you want to reach out to us, you can connect with us on www.modestamahiga.com. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Please do share this with another leader that you know um, this episode would benefit. And we'll see you at the next one. Goodbye for now.